All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And, you know, the NBA season is steadily progressing. A lot of surprises, a lot of news. So let's just jump right into it with the news. And I guess the biggest news that's happened uh, since the start of the season is that Josh Primo, the 12th overall pick uh, for the San Antonio Spurs, I think a couple of years back, was recently just waived from the organization. And that's super rare to see, you know, like a lottery pick being waived within like two years of being drafted, especially from like an organization known for developing young talent like the Spurs. Um, and it came out that I think it was like due to some indecent exposure. Um, I wasn't too uh, informed on the actual details, but what do you make of this whole Josh Primo situation? Yeah, yeah. First of all, happy Halloween. We're recording this uh, Halloween night. So oh, happy Halloween. Just want to say that. Yeah, happy Halloween. But um, yeah, getting to the whole Joshua Primo thing. So from what I understand, there was indec- indecent exposure to uh, a female co-worker, uh, a staff member of the Spurs organization. Um, and she ended up hiring the lawyer who represented the uh, case against Deshaun Watson. So this is a pretty serious case in I think the Spurs do not want to be associated whatsoever um, with this. And it's crazy that <laughs> I'm just watching Rafa crack up every time it gets slightly sexual. No, no, no. Or we're I'm, talking. No, no, no. Sorry. I was just thinking like, what's happening in the NBA recently with like all these like indecent sexual acts, like first Ime Udoka, now Josh Primo, like what's, what's, what's happening in the NBA right now? Hey, we're back to the nineties. Come on now. <laughs> It's just like, no, but it's uh, not ridiculous that like this, this is some crazy news that we haven't seen in like 10 plus years, I want to say. And then it happens in like the same season, like less than like a few months apart. Yeah, definitely very different ex- extremes of situations. This is far worse than the email Doka situation as far as like the actual conduct that occurred. And for my opinion, mm-hmm. um, but for uh, a young talent, somebody who's developing, especially on a team like this, like. I, th- I think it would be less shocking like if something like this happened, if you see like uh, a contending team throw out uh, a veteran player or somebody who's not necessarily a big part of their organization, but to see uh, a developing team throw out one of their brightest rising stars, is, it's pretty crazy. Not to say that Joshua Primo was uh, like an all-star or superstar by any means, but this is a team that's trying to develop young talent and he was one of their most promising assets. Yeah, and, like, he was a guy who they drafted super young. You know, coming to the league, he was 18 years old. He was, I think, the youngest guy in the entire draft class. And he was a bit of a surprise at number 12 when he was drafted. There was a lot more solidified talent. And he was really, like, a project piece that the Spurs were hoping to build up over time. And so, you know, him getting waived, this might be the end of his time in the NBA. I don't think any team is really going to want to be associated with him. Um, especially time to go to the Shanghai Sharks. I mean, yeah, it's probably looking like he's going to go <laughs> ball or, you know, just, I don't know, go, I don't know what his options are, but I know that he doesn't really have a future in the league. Um, and it's just kind of crazy to see, like, I, I was laughing earlier, but it's just kind of ridiculous how these things are like happening so close to each other. Like, are we going to see another one of these things happen in the next like few months, like some random road? Well, I would hope there? not. Yeah. I mean, I, I sincerely hope not, but it's just kind of wild this like string of news so close to each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think we can move on from that because we, you know, we don't want to beat a dead horse. I yeah. do wish the best for 
everyone in this situation, including the Spurs, whoever uh, had exposed or had been exposed to Josh yeah, Primo. We, and yeah, I, we, and, no. but we get the idea. And yeah. uh, I also wish the best for Joshua Primo. I hope he gets the help he needs. Um, moving on, though, let's talk about LeBron a little bit. He I hit think, a new milestone. Oh, go ahead. I was just thinking, like, you know, I, there's like on Twitter, like people post all like the memes. It's like <laughs> Joshua Primo and Ime Udoka in sex therapy, and it's like the videos of Moby <laughs> just balling out with each other. I just yeah. All right, we can we can move on from this. <laughs> but yeah, going to LeBron though. Talk. We don't have to do a ton of Lakers talk at least yet. But mm-hmm. he hit a big milestone for his career surpassing Carl Malone to become the all-time uh, leading most 20 points uh, games ever. Uh, I think it's something like somewhere in the 1200s. Maybe it was 1,280 games or something like that with 20 plus points. Uh, so what do you make of that? And, you know, all these milestones that LeBron is hitting, especially this season and that he's going to continue to hit this season. I think this is one record of many. I think many are predicting this to be a very historic season for LeBron. You know, he's going to surpass Kareem, obviously. Or it's, it's looking like he's going to surpass Kareem as the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Probably going to make some more headwind on the, uh, like, all-time assist uh, boards, too. Um, and I think, you know, it's just going to be a season of records for LeBron. And, it's, and I think it's fitting that, you know, his first record that he come, kind of breaks here is, like, in his 20th season for the most – 20 point games in NBA history. I think that's a little poetic and so good for LeBron. And I mean, he's been playing very well this season. Hasn't really like slowed down at all, which is crazy considering this guy's in his 20th season. So, I mean, props to LeBron. I don't think there's too much to say here, but again, just like super impressive for a guy at his age, this late in his career to be doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Let's skip the next point that I have on there. We can talk about that a little later. But I do want to move on to this next one. Uh, For those of you watching, we have like a little sheet that we kind of base everything off of. But uh, Forbes came out with the list of the most valuable NBA franchises going, listing them in order. Um, And the Warriors officially surpassed the New York Knicks as the most valuable franchise in the NBA. So they can get $7 billion. That's a massive, massive jump from where uh, most people, I think, thought that NBA franchises were valued at. Um, and the Knicks are number two at, at six point one billion, so that's a, a fairly big gap. Uh, and then the Lakers at five point nine billion. Uh, does that surprise you at all? That the Warriors have gone that high. I mean, it's not surprising that the Warriors are that high, but um, it's crazy that the Knicks are still that high. You know, like years and years and years of like being a very underwhelming team, uh, having like terrible teams put together. You know, not having great rosters. Uh, mismanagement within the organization and yet the New York fans are still loyal and it's still one of the most valuable franchises in the NBA uh, if I were to guess though is uh, are the Lakers number three if you remember yes there I, I said Lakers number three uh, I believe number four uh, I forget number four but I know number five uh, was the Celtics yeah that, that sounds about right I guess if I were to guess what number four would be it's kind of hard to say maybe the Heat but um, or the Bulls probably right because it was the Bulls. That's correct. Yeah. Yes, it was the Bulls. Uh, the Heat are up there though. They're valued uh, a little over the average at three billion. Um, but who do you think or what team do you think is the least valuable according to Forbes? It so, kind of surprised me. So I, I'm guessing 
my my initial thought is like maybe the magic i mean like they they don't they're not a very historic franchise orlando's not really the biggest market i feel like if you're in florida you're more likely going to be a heat fan um i i will like the from all the small markets because it has to be a small market team like i think okc has had like you know a lot of big names come through russell westbrook obviously kevin durant james harden um let's see i mean maybe detroit because i i know that Detroit is more of a football city uh, as of late than, than a basketball one. The New Orleans Pelicans, though, is also one that I'm, I'm thinking could be it. But if I if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with the Magic. It was the Pelicans. So the Pelicans? You, we're okay. on the right track. Yeah, at $1.6 billion, they're the least valuable NBA franchise. So but, that's, that's uh, similar to, like, Detroit, in my opinion. Like, New Orleans is definitely more of a football city than a, than a basketball city, you know, like – People there are more of a, more Saints fans than Pelicans fans, and they just really haven't had like the his history or, or you know those memorable franchise players. Uh, but I mean, hopefully a guy like Zion Williamson can can change that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that brings up to a wrap for just like some news or like headlines going on around right now. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot to get into with the standings going in the NBA. Uh, we is are there- about six, seven games into the season for some of these teams. And let's just start by looking at this Eastern conference and does anything stand out before we get to that? um, I think instead of just like talking about things that stand out, I wanted to start by talking about NBA.com's power rankings for the teams. This uh, like, you know, this far into the season, I want to see if you agree with these, your thoughts on this list. And then we, you can like go into the standings from there. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. So, okay. So they got number one, the Bucks, number two, the Suns, number three, the Cavs, number four, the Trailblazers, number five, the Celtics, number six, the Jazz, number seven, the Pelicans, number eight, the Nuggets, nine, Warriors, and ten, Mavericks. Yeah, obviously these um, these are made based off of wins, I feel like, a lot of the time, or they put people who don't really watch basketball and tell them the right articles. Um, I mean, what do you just no, I. Them? What do you disagree with? Let's let's start with the Jazz. I mean, yes, they're winning games, but everybody knows that the Jazz are not a uh, power team. They're being led by – this happens in a lot of seasons where you get a team that's not very good at all, uh, at least on paper, and everybody on that team isn't trying to fit into a system. The coach isn't trying to make a system work. They're, they're not necessarily tanking, but they're trying to lose games so that they can get a high draft pick. And they go out there and they all play their own brand of basketball to the, the best way they know how to do it. And sometimes that does a lot better in the early regular season than a team trying to make a system work in new players meshing. Sometimes if you have a guy like Jordan Clarkson or Laurie Markinen just go out there and do their thing that they know how to do, they're going to rack up more points than, let's say, uh, I don't know the Atlanta Hawks trying to figure out how to have Trey Young and DeJounte Murray work together into a system that will have them ready for the pl- the postseason. Okay, that's a fair point. And I think like, yeah, if you were to predict the rest of the season, I don't think anyone would have the Utah Jazz anywhere near the top of their list. But the power rankings are just as it currently stands, like looking at the current NBA landscape, who are looking like the best teams, who are looking like the, the worst teams. And I think like if you're making a list of like the top 10 best looking teams right now you got to have at least one of the jazz or the spurs up there i mean like 
they're the three and four seed in the West, respectively. Like, that's got to count for something. Yeah. I really don't think it even matters that much, though. I mean, you can just say that they're not, like, losing games yet. But I could put the, I would put them against a lot of the other teams that necessarily wouldn't be on that list right now and still expect those other teams to win on any given night. Right. But I mean, I'm saying like, it's just the power rankings, like how the team's current looking in current form. Like there's no evidence, or I guess there's nothing to sort of substantiate a claim to put like, say, I don't know, the Miami heat who are currently at two and five, 12 in the Eastern conference or the Clippers who are two and four also 12th in the Western conference or even like the Warriors who are only three and four, 11th in the West right now, like to say they're looking better than the Jazz who are five and two. If you want to make that argument, then you can, but I don't think everything is based off of wins. You also have to look at strength of schedule. Uh, Some of those teams that you listed do have very easy schedules. Um, But let's say a team like the Jazz, I don't know their exact schedule so far, but I do not believe they've played very hard teams. I believe they've played uh, the Hornets. They've played. I, I I'm not looking at their schedule, well, they beat, but I they do beat know the Nuggets. They beat the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, uh, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets again. Like these are quality wins. Okay, fine. If you want to say that, then yeah, you can put them there. If if also if we're basing it off of how teams have been playing, I would put Portland higher. I mean that He's... that is a good point. I mean. Portland five and one right now, but like, and that's, and that's with them missing Dame for a couple weeks. And Anthony Simes has been playing great. Josh Hart's been playing great. Shaden Sharp has been fitting in nicely. Um, what do you feel about uh, the Milwaukee Bucks being number one right now? I think that's, that's right. The only undefeated team in the NBA currently. Uh, I do believe that they are the best team. Um, Giannis, uh, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, proven combination of players. Chris Middleton has been out for a while. Like, no, no, I'm just saying that team. Yeah, is yeah, I'm just saying, I like, do know it, that he's out. It's even more impressive that they're doing this with Chris Middleton not being there for, for a few. Oh days. yeah, absolutely. But I just think that it's a proven recipe, and they have not lost a game yet. So, you, if they're the only team that hasn't lost a game, they should be number one in the power rankings. I agree. I 100% agree with that. And I think like Giannis is looking like. You know, I predicted him to win MVP. Like, so far, he's playing up to that. And honestly, right now, it's looking like he could win Defensive Player of the Year as well as that MVP. He's playing incredibly so dominant on both sides of the ball. I saw a claim. Is Giannis the best two-way player in NBA history? Wow, that would be a bold claim. I don't think you could make that that claim yet. Okay, Maybe but you can you someday. Up? Who would you put I'd put Michael, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. What about Hakeem Olajuwon? I think you could. Hakeem is also there, still above Giannis. I think there's a few guys. I think Giannis is definitely getting up there. Um, I think a peak Kawhi Leonard, at like a Raptors, Toronto Raptors Kawhi Leonard, or even like Spurs Kawhi Leonard, is a better two-way player than Giannis from an accolades and from a like what he's done in his career standpoint. I Kawhi do think Giannis, is a better two-way player all time than Giannis. Uh, I think from an accolade standpoint, in certain respects, yes. I How think is, they're maybe tied. I think tied would be there's fair. No way, there's no way. I'm sorry, I, I can't. I'm pretty sure Giannis has more defensive or more all first team defense. He has a def- he also has a defense player of the year. He's led his team. Uh, on way more years to be the number one defense in the league. Like, 
he's just looked like the best offensive player way longer than Kawhi has. And he has the deep playoff runs to prove it too. Yeah, but Kawhi has also been a more winning player. That you can you can't deny that. He has all, he was the first player all time to win uh finals MVP and win uh in two different conferences. Okay. How, okay, are you gonna say that he's a more winning player based off what? Based off of his success in playoffs, based off of his success in his career and, and wins. I mean, you can also argue being part of the Spurs helped that, right? Being part of the Spurs absolutely boosted that. I'm not denying that, but he did win a, a um, finals MVP with the Spurs and he won with the Raptors as well. First, like that's what I'm saying. First player to ever do that in NBA history. Uh, I think for on the defensive end of the ball, he did lock down Giannis in that uh, on the Raptors. He passed Giannis. You have to think about that. When they played in 2019, that is a Giannis MVP season. That's a peak. You could argue not necessarily peak Giannis, but one of his better years. He already established player. Kawhi locked him down and won the finals that year. I wouldn't say locked him down. I think they're even. Yeah, he, like, he did. They, they built the wall against him, and he was the leader of that. Okay, I still wouldn't say they locked him down. Giannis played. I think he he gets a little bit too much uh, criticism for his performance in that series. Like, yes, the Raptors played great team defense. It wasn't just an individual effort by Kawhi. You have to remember that. But also, Giannis did play like good. He played. He did his job in the playoffs. Yes, he didn't go. So again, then then you have to say the Bucks have a great team team defense as well with another high level defender in Drew Holiday and a great system that implements Giannis well. So. I think I think they could you could put them at the same level of where they rank two way players all time. Okay, and I guess like you know their careers are still ongoing, so it's hard to rank them all time. Yeah, but I, I'd say Hakeem, Kobe, and Michael would be three established players that just come to mind right away that are better okay. two way players all time. Sure. Um, I I did want to mention since you brought up Kawhi, I wanted to talk about the Clippers because coming in, everyone had them as like you know championship contenders if not title favorites like they have like some of the greatest depth in the nba obviously powered by like a healthy Kawhi now paul george and you know a number of uh players adding john wall just looked like all the pieces were there but they're starting the season off very very rocky you know two and four they're 12th in the west right now paul george has looked pretty bad after having like a 40 point explosion against the kings um and then Kawhi, he's missing his fourth straight game for, I think it's knee management is what they're calling it. Are, are you concerned about the Clippers? When do we have to start being worried about what's happening with the other LA team? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm worried about the Clippers yet. I, I'd say that I think people should have expected that there would be some trouble for both Kawhi and Paul George from a health standpoint. I am a little surprised that their role players, like considering they're like supposedly the deepest team in the league, haven't stepped up at all. Um, and I think Paul George, when he has played, has looked like a number two and not like a number one. He has looked like at points in his career. Um, and I think with Kawhi having still this many health issues, um, he does need to stand up or and be a better player than he has been in Paul George. And also when Kawhi has been playing this season, I feel like this is the first time I've seen Kawhi Leonard come back from an injury and look at the way he's playing and say, it looks like he hasn't played for two years. Like, usually, I feel like when Kawhi comes back, he just looks like the same guy. He hasn't had issues. And he's kind of like that robot that we all were call- calling him a few years ago. 
and now he looks a little human because he's been coming into these games and kind of messing up the rhythm of this Clippers team. And he just hasn't been nearly the guy that we would expect him to be when he comes back on the floor. I mean, I a hundred percent agree. But the thing is we haven't like seen him that much. Like he keeps missing game after game after game. And to me, it's a little concerning because he's had like so much time for him not to be fully healthy is quite concerning, especially if the Clippers want to have a successful and long season to make it to the championship. And yes, I think Paul George has been really, really letting me down. Like, we were talking about him as a guy who could maybe even be like a dark horse MVP pick if the Clippers do really well. And Kawhi is like not who he used to be um, because he has that in him. But, you know, after having that 40 point game against the Kings, he's just been putting up mediocre stat line after mediocre, mediocre stat line, you know, like 16 points against the Clippers. I think he put up like 10 points against the Thunder. Um, also, the Clippers lost two straight games to the OKC Thunder, which is wild to me. Um, Yeah, the Clippers have not had a hard schedule as well. That's another part of it. I will say, though, looking at last year at this point in the season compared to this year is pretty interesting because right now the Clippers are ranked the second worst offense in the league. The only team worse than them is their uh, (laughs) little rival, the Lakers. Um, But last year, about five or six games into the season, when they were one and four, um, they were the fifth worst offense in the NBA. Uh, so I just think it, that's an interesting simil- similarities in their start to the season this year and last year. Um, again, I, th- I think it's not the time to hit the panic button. Like looking at another team last year, um, two games or no, sorry, six games into their season, the Memphis Grizzlies were three and three with the second worst uh defense in the entire NBA and look where the Grizzlies ended up I'm 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 just saying there were a lot of people last year who were looking at this Grizzlies team and going well maybe they weren't who we thought they were going to be or the Milwaukee Bucks were the uh like eighth worst defense in the NBA at that point in time they were three and four now obviously both of those teams ended up being top two seeds in their respective conferences. So I think people put a little bit too much stock into these first six, seven games of a season sometimes, and you have to just take a step back. But I do understand the concern with the Clippers and just from a health standpoint. Yeah, like I, I fully expect like teams like, say, the Brooklyn Nets or the Miami Heat in the East to pick it up and be a solidified playoff team. But for like a team like the Clippers, it's always been health as the main concern. And so for them to have those issues early is not a great sign going into the, you know, the, the bulk of the season. I will say, like, there is a possibility that it's just the Clippers playing it safe. You know, they understand that, hey, it is a long season. We want Kawhi to be healthy. We're not going to take any risks. So what we're going to do is we're going to play it safe, you know, like sit out some of these games, take as long as it takes, and slowly work Kawhi back into like the player that we know he can be over time instead of just trying to like rush it and like panic once we start losing a, a few games at the uh, beginning of the season. I think that oh, are you still there, Hunter? Next issue, but I'm back. All right, wonderful. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's enough about the Clippers. Uh, do we want to talk about the Warriors really quick? Because, you know, the reigning champs, they're at three and four right now and just like one game, of, uh, one spot above the LA Clippers. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't been paying super, like a ton of attention to the Warriors um, this season just because I figured they'd be doing good. But I have been surprised looking just from a baseline perspective at their standings right now. I'm look, trying to see what teams they've played. And it they hasn't looked good. The, a bad loss to the Hornets yes, or, uh, either yesterday or a couple of days ago. Yeah, they had a, a bad loss to the Hornets without LaMelo Ball. Um, they beat the Miami Heat. But then they lose to the Phoenix Suns in a blowout by 30 points, and they almost lose to the Kings, who've just won their first game the other day. Um, so they haven't been looking great. And looking at their their numbers right now, they have the third biggest um, margin of game loss. Like sp- Their spread is 9.6 points, negative 9.6 points, which means on average – they're losing their games by 10 points. They're not, this includes their wins as well. So when they're winning game, winning games, that means they're not winning by a lot. And when they're losing games, they're losing by a lot. Now, do I think this is going to carry on for much longer? No, but I mean, this is something to look at a little bit just for the start of the season. One thing that is concerning, at least for me, like a point that if you were to like say, Hey, this might be something to look into or, or you know, pay attention to is Clay Thompson, because we talked about when he returned last year, like he didn't really look like the player we knew he was. Yes. He had a few good moments in the playoffs, but never really that two way, like knockdown shooter that we know he was in that like solidified all-star alongside Steph Curry. And this year he's looked pretty off. I would say like when you watch him play, he's just simply not the same player that he used to be. He's putting up like 12 points, two rebounds, two boards, on only like 45% true shooting percentage, um, you know, not, not shooting it too great from three. Like he had a, a pretty bad game against the Hornets the other night, one from seven from three. Now, Clay Thompson has had stretches in his career where he just like very cold and then like heats up very quickly. That's kind of the player that he is. But, you know, considering he was coming off two season long injuries and he was already looking like a kind of a shell of himself last year, like, what, at what point do we have to accept that this is just who Clay Thompson is at this point? I don't think I've accepted that Clay Thompson is like not who he was yet. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. Um, but I want to see a full regular season of Clay Thompson before I make any assumptions about who he's going to be for the rest of his career. Um, the other thing that I would say about Golden State that has been pretty interesting is that both Jordan Poole and Steph Curry have been playing great basketball and have been hot. Um, not, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a point of concern, but you should be winning games if two of your top three or four players are playing well on a night-to-night basis. That actually is a perfect transition to the next team I want to talk about, um, which is the Brooklyn Nets, because yeah. <laughs> they have two of the best scorers in the game right now. Kyrie and KD are playing incredibly, and they're putting out lights-out scoring performances, yet the Nets are currently 1-5 in the East, they're only above the Orlando Magic in the standings. They're the 14th seed. Um, they're the worst defensive team in the league. They're 27th in net rating, 25th in three-point percentage, and 29th in rebounding. So what is the problem with the Brooklyn Nets right now? Yeah, it's really interesting that you point out the Nets because they're only one of two 
one of only two teams worse than the Warriors when it comes to spread at negative 10.3. And we already talked about the other team, which was the Clippers, the worst of the league at negative 12.2. So these are all teams that we expected to be good, but so far their spreader, spreads are indicating otherwise. Um, I think the biggest problem with Brooklyn so far, um, I hate to pile on, but has been Ben Simmons. Mm. I really do hate to pile on Ben Simmons because I think he's already gotten enough hate. Um but he's supposed to be, at the very least, a good defender. And teams have been attacking him on the defensive end of the ball. They played the Mavericks the other night uh, in a game that Luka just went ballistic. But Luka was hunting the Ben Simmons matchup when he was coming down the floor, which is something that you would have never expected to see at the Ben Simmons two years ago. He was always the best defender on that Sixers team. Um and he has been playing decent defense. I'm not saying he's been a bad defender by any means. But for this team to work, Ben Simmons needs to be a defensive beast yeah. at the very least if he's not going to do anything on the offensive end of the ball. And he's not doing anything on the offensive side of the ball. Like he is I thought that he would come to the Nets like free from the pressure from the Philly fans, like free from all these expectations and could just sort of play his game, maybe experiment with a, a shot more like you know, be more aggressive, but he's like lost all aggressiveness in his game. Like he is so hesitant to shoot. Like he'll get a fast break and then just like turn around and look for like someone to pass the ball to instead of actually going and, you know, like going for a layup or trying to get a dunk or something like that. And it's really sad to see. It's really dragging down their offense. Um, And he's not, as you said, like he's not that all defensive player that they need him to be on defense too. So it just doesn't really seem to be working out too well. And also just like the rest of the role players are not really stepping up. Um, so it's pretty much just KD and Kyrie right now. Yeah, I, I will say, though, with Ben Simmons, that what happens every game, it seems like, is the, the game plan is, okay, Ben Simmons, you're going to take the first few shots of the game. We're going to get you some, some good looks. You're going to get a few points, and we're going to get you comfortable with shooting again. And then after the first quarter, he never looks at the rim again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's seriously something that they need to talk to him about. I'm sure they are. Like, I'm I'm sitting here, oh, Ben Simmons should shoot more. I'm sure Kyrie and KD are aware of that. Um, yeah, there's that clip uh, <laughs> when they were playing the Celtics where he's saying, like, Kyrie's like, shoot it, Ben. And he just doesn't He shoot. He doesn't shoot it. He just passes it back to, like, KD for a pull-up jumper. Um, how much of like the Nets struggles do we have to lay at the feet of Steve Nash? Because he's obviously I think a large amount. Yeah. Um, I think the their defensive deficiencies are all at the fault of Steve Nash. And I I'm not gonna say it yet because I think it's too early, but if the Nets keep progressing like this, I think Kevin Durant might have been right in believing that Steve Nash should not be the coach of this team, uh, and that he is not the right coach for them Uh, i heard this this analogy um about the brooklyn nets that i think is actually very fitting the brooklyn nets are like a a couple that like wants to get divorced but stays together to raise the kids um because you know kd he's like hey i want out of this relationship it's not working um but then the owner's like hey but like you know we still have to like make this work you know, we, we got your contract still and it's just not really going to happen. And so, like, they're sort of forced to be together for some common goal, but none of them really want each other. And it just, 
like that kind of chemistry is never really going to work out too well. Um, yeah, yeah. And, then and they are the the worst defense in the league, by the way. The yeah, worst. Thirtieth in defensive rating. Um, and it's it's not hard to see when you watch them play. Like teams just kind of have their way with them whenever it, they play against the Brooklyn Nets. And another problem is I. Sorry. You're good. I think the fire alarm is going off at my apartment. How wonderful. Let me check to see if something's actually a problem. I'll be right back. Go ahead no and continue, I'll, Rafa. I'll continue, yeah. So I actually do want to talk quickly about the Cleveland Cavaliers because they're a team right now that's number two, right behind the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, five and one. They're a team that had some high expectations. Like I think I had them at like number four in my predicted Eastern Conference. Um, you know, with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, like they've looked incredible. And this is with them barely even seeing Darius Garland. It's it's incredible what they've been able to build there in Cleveland. And it's really coming to fruition. Uh, I just want to highlight Donovan Mitchell, like how he's been playing. Averaging 30. Sorry about points. that, by the way. Uh, everything is fine. Okay, good to hear. I, I was just talking about how good the Cleveland Cavaliers have looked. Um, oh, yeah, Donovan and Mitchell, without Darius Garland. Exactly. Donovan Mitchell's averaging 32 points per game, seven assists, almost five rebounds on 50, 45, 85 shooting splits. Um, and the Cavs, first in net rating, the sixth best offense, third best defense, and their first in three-point percentage. And as you said, Darius Garland hasn't even played yet. Yeah, uh, I really do think that this Cleveland team is at, met all expectations, if not exceeded them. And it's really allowed Donovan Mitchell to thrive because he, there's he's not just one, but multiple good defenders around him. Everybody else on the team can defend. And I will say, Donovan Mitchell has bought into being a good defender this year. And he has talked about how he's not proud of his defense in, like, on the Utah Jazz. And I think part of that is as soon as he got to the Jazz, his first year, he was a leading scorer. And they kind of just made him the star of the offense. And they said, you do your thing. And part of that is giving up a little on the defensive end. Because in college, Donovan Mitchell was a good defender. Uh, but he kind of let go of that coming to play in the NBA. And now that he's on the team where there's more shared responsibility, he can give more on defense, which he has done well. And by no means am I saying he's been a good defender, but he hasn't been one of the worst or horrendous defenders of the NBA. Yeah, and it's just crazy how much depth this Cavs team has. Like, they have so many guys who can just score and, and play defense. Like, Karis LeVert, he had dropped 41 points alongside Donovan Mitchell, who also dropped 41 points in a win. And then the next game, he dropped one point. But it was fine because <laughs> they have just so many weapons on this team. And this is missing their second-best player in Darius Garland. That's going to be one of the most electrifying backcourts in the NBA once they get back together. Yeah, um, and hopefully for years, because I think this team as is, is still like so young, so good. They're, they have so much to, to expand to, and they're looking like one of the best teams already. 100. And they're, they're, they're not just winning games. They're winning games the most convincingly of any team in the league, averaging 10.6 points in the positive direction for their spread, meaning on average, they're beating teams by over 10 points, which is incredible to start your season, especially when you're actually playing some solid teams to start the year. I'm, I'm going to pull up who they've played so far, unless you've already talked about that. Uh, not yet, but um, 
I, I did want to mention while you're looking that up, like who do you think is currently the best backcourt in the league? Because I don't think you could say it's Steph or Clay or even Steph or I think you could say it's I think you could say it's Steph and Jordan Poole. I would disagree. I would honestly I might have to go with John Morant and Desmond Bain because Desmond Bain has been quietly having an incredible season so far. Interesting. Uh I don't know how much I mean I don't the Grizzlies. Yeah, I've been paying attention to them. They've looked very good so far as well. But I have to give the benefit of the doubt to Steph Curry just as a player. And, I mean, like, if you want to maybe make, like, a quote-unquote power rankings list, then sure, I could put John Morant and Desmond Bain above them just because of how good they both looked. Um, But, again, I do think Steph and Poole have both looked good. It hasn't necessarily been translating to wins, but they still – look like the best backward to me. I mean, we can agree, agree to disagree on that. I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to change once Donovan Mitchell and uh, Darius Garland, you know, are playing together again. It's going to yeah, be... Sorry, but I was going to say that the um, the Wizards... Oh, my God. They've played the Wizards, the Bulls, the Celtics, and the Knicks. So not necessarily the best teams, but they have played some good teams in there. Um, they beat Chicago in a blowout by 30 points. They beat the Wizards by 20 points. They beat the Celtics by 10 points. Beat the Knicks by 15 points. So they're beating playoff teams by double digits, and that's a good sign. No, I mean, I agree. I agree. And I think, like, obviously, like, it's going to be a long season. And I think, like, I don't think they're going to be the number two seed. Like, I predicted them at number four. So I think they're going to, like, there are better teams here and, like, teams with more quality depth. But, yeah, no, they look great so far. And I, I've been really been impressed. Uh, you did mention the Knicks, though, so I wanted to talk about them briefly. Like, what have you seen from Jalen Brunson, right, and, and and the New York Knicks as a whole? Because they're three and three right now. They're they're looking pretty decent at number five there in the East. Yeah, I mean, I you know, going to be honest with you, Knicks basketball is not what I've been paying attention attention to so far for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see that so far he's been averaging eighteen points, four boards, and seven assists. Uh, so he's been playing pretty solid. I mean, I don't think you can expect him to go out there and look like he did in that playoff series, like on the Mavs. I f- who were they playing in that series? It was the Suns, right? It was that Sun series where he really popped off. You're not expecting him to play like that every night. But if he's giving you 20. The Jazz. The jazz when or, they you're right. It was against the Jazz. Uh, but if he's giving you 20 and 7 on a night-to-night basis, I think that's pretty solid. I mean, that's what you paid him to do in if he can provide that kind of um, efficiency every night, then I think the contract is worth it. I think his, his shooting splits could be a little better. He's shooting 47% from the field and 33% from three. So just about league average. Um, But I feel like that's kind of where this next team is going to be winding up like league average. I feel like that describes them pretty well. Yeah. One thing I want to say about Jalen Brunson is that he's not really been a good defensive player at all. I'll just say he's been bad on defense and that's mm-hmm. caused RJ Barrett to really up his workload on the defensive end of the ball. And, you know, that's led to RJ really struggling at the beginning of the season, which is like not what you need. RJ Barrett has to be one of those key pieces of this team uh, if they're going to be successful. And so I think he really needs to buy more into the defensive system here. Um, yeah. Also, Duke, I think Randall- part of that, like, 
I was going to say, part of that, look with what you're saying, is R.J. Barrett has started up this season shooting 22% from three. And by no means is that going to continue. But I do think part of that struggle is coming because he's having to work so hard on defense. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And but and that's why I think, like, Brunson really needs to step it up. Like, because all of his offensive, like, highlights are really being negated in certain senses by his defensive woes. So I think he needs to like find a healthy medium there or at least just put more effort on that side of the ball. Uh, but also Julius Randle, I want to bring him up. He's looked good. I will say he's looked good to start the season. Um, hopefully like he can have a season more like 2021 than 2022. Um, but yeah, I've been, I, I haven't been mad at how the Knicks have been playing. Like they're three and three right now. They've looked yeah. pretty good. Um, got I will say ones. with the Knicks, they've beat the Pistons, the Magic, and the Hornets. Um, those, so are those are quality no, wins. Those are quality. But what I was going to say is they've lost to the Bucks, the Cavs, and the Grizzlies. So yeah. they've been winning the games they're supposed to win, and they're losing the games they're supposed to lose. That's like that's what I'm calling them league average. And I think they could be a surprise. I mean, you know, it's still very early. Again, everything we're saying, take with a grain of salt. We're not like set on these things because a lot is going to change throughout the season. But this team kind of screams to me, we're just middle of the pack. Do we have to talk about the Miami Heat right now? Because they're two and five. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we could talk about the Miami Heat a little bit. I do think it's interesting that they start Tyler, Tyler Hero this year, and he's been playing well. He has looked very good um, just in general. But they're, they're – Play isn't translating to wins. I do think that Bam Adebayo has been disappointing. He's not he, – I mean, he's – I wouldn't say he's regressed, but he's looking like the Bam Adebayo in the regular season and not the Bam Adebayo in the playoffs or against that the Knicks – or, I mean, sorry, the Clippers that you want him to beat. Against the Clippers. No, I said I – I, sorry, I meant the Celtics. I don't know why I said Clippers. <laughs> the Celtics The Celtics in the postseason last year, we saw what he could do in that series – and he hasn't been the guy we've wanted him to be. He hasn't – he's he's still good, but he's not taking any bigger steps to become a better player. Yeah, no, I agree. And I I can't speak too much about the Heat. I haven't paid too much attention to how their season is going. I just think, like, you know, you have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Obviously, they brought back Victor, Victor Oladipo. Tyler Hero still on the team. There's a lot of quality players in town on this team. I don't expect them to be down there for too long. I think they're going to turn it around. Also, one of the best coaches in the league with Eric Spolstra. Like, it's it just early season woes. Like, I'm, I don't think anyone, if you're a Heat fan, you shouldn't be too worried about this. Yeah, their offense and their defense is, is like pretty middle of the pack. Their offense isn't great, but the thing for them is they aren't losing games by very much. They're, all of their games have been very close. Um, so th- they're hanging in there. And this is a team, we know what they are, we know what they can do. And they've also been experimenting with a lot of, you know, more undrafted players as they usually do. You know, it's Miami. They're known for a lot of these undrafted guys, guys you've never heard of. Uh, They've been putting them into the lineup and just seeing what's sticking. Mm -hmm. Um, So I expect this team very fully to be a top seed. I mean, I think I had them at my two seed. And I think that's still very likely, very possible. Um, do not expect the Miami Heat to be out of the playoffs because they're starting the season two and five. Yeah, no, um, I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, yeah. a lot of these standards are going to change in the coming weeks. So don't be too surprised, you know, when 
the San Antonio Spurs are not as good of a team as you, you thought. But yeah, I, I was going to say, do you want to talk about the Suns at all? Considering we were very down on the Suns coming into the season after the Jake Crowder situation. We're talking about this situation with DeAndre Ayton, and they have kind of silenced their haters so far coming to the season five and one. So what, do you have anything to say about them? I mean, yes and no. I think like, look, we knew the Suns still had a lot of talent and it was like, they, they obviously are like still a good basketball team. They were managed, like they were down by like a crazy number. I think it was like 25 points against the Mavs to start the season. And we all thought, Oh, here he goes again, like a repeat of last uh, playoffs, but no, the, the Suns actually battled back. They won that game. Um, and they've, been winning like having good quality wins over solid teams you know went over the yeah, Pelicans, went over the warriors um so they've been the third best offense and they've been the fifth best defense so i would say that's fairly impressive i want to give a lot of credit though to devin booker i think mm-hmm. at this point i think he has to be the best shooting guard in the league like yeah he's been averaging i think 30 30 a game right now or like yeah, he's to incredible it. like and i think I've really liked what I saw from him. So I think his performance has really like powered this Phoenix Suns offense. And we know that they have the talent. Like that's how they were able to make the finals in 2021. Um, I just thought that, you know, that, that finals loss and all the tension, or it's not finals loss, like that uh, f- loss against the Mavs last playoffs and all of the tension that's been going on with the free agents, with Jay Crowder, uh, you know, with Chris Paul, like all these things, I thought it would lead to a more rocky start, but it seems like the, the Suns have really been able to pull it together, which we all knew they were capable of. It's just like more of a prediction that like external factors would, would make things fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do want to talk about another team. I mean, that relates to the Suns being that Mavericks team. Luka Doncic has started off this season incredible. He's the first player since Michael Jordan to come out and have above 30 points in the first six games of the season, including some ridiculous performances, including triple doubles, 44, like 10 and eight against, or something like that against the Brooklyn 41, Nets. 14, 11. Oh yeah. It was even better than I thought. 44, 14 and 11. That is just crazy to wrap your head around. Uh, and he has just been that guy. Is he going to carry this Mavericks team not saying that this the people around him aren't good players but is he just so good that he's going to skyrocket this team I think so I mean I think that like he could be in the cards for an MVP bid um and I know we're super early but like the way he's come out in the season like you could tell Luca is putting this team on his back and he's gonna do it all like he's looked incredible um just doing everything on offense you know he's got the threes he's got the fancy post work he's got the you know, layup package, like, um, he's got the flashy passes. I might've said that already, but he's got it all on offense, you know, and, and he can just do it all for you there. Um, and I think like part of that has also been Christian Wood because I think he's looked good with Luca, you know, like they've had a nice two man game and I've really enjoyed what I've seen out of both of them. I just don't know if there's like enough on this Mavs team to make them a top seed in the West, but Luca is certainly doing all that he can. And I think that, you know, if the Mavs end up as like a five, maybe four seed, like if they're fortunate, like he could definitely win an MVP this year. Yeah, I do also want to give credit to Steven Nash. We have given him his flowers, but Steve you, you can't. 
Oh my God, Steve Nash. I don't know why. I, I thought was thinking of point guards. Uh, I meant Jason Kidd. Yeah. I, I'm gonna give the flowers to Jason Kidd. Um, I will say though that the Mavs did drop the ball in a loss against OKC, and um, in the loss against like Phoenix. That's a game that they should have won. Yeah, they they did drop the ball against Phoenix, and they are three and three. But looking at those games, you say, hey, we've been winning good games and. We lost games we should have won, um, but we know what we did wrong and we can learn from those mistakes, which kind of transitions me into the Lakers a little bit. Yeah, and uh, this could be the last team we talk about. Um, cause... Yeah. All right, wonderful. So let's talk about the Lakers because they started 0-5. They were the only winless team in the NBA. Like horrendous, horrendous offense, like rated worst in the NBA. Their defense was uh, like okay, pretty good at top. Okay. What do you mean? They are top in the NBA. They're top two. Really? Uh, the Lakers' defense is one of the best in the league. Um, right now, their defense is rated number three. The Cavs just pushed them out. But the Lakers are only letting their opponents, on average, score 106 points. Actually, no, sorry. They're tied for two with Cleveland right now. So I didn't know. I didn't I didn't think they were that good. Like no, the, the Lakers' I... defense has been a top defense in the league. The Lakers have been doing everything right except shooting the ball. The Lakers are the worst offense in the league. There were no, no exaggeration. This team cannot shoot. Historically, they are the worst three-point shooting team to start a regular season in NBA history. Um, but they played a game last night against the Denver Nuggets in which they looked pretty promising, were able to hit their shots, and convincingly won after a few nights or a few games before having lost to that same team. Yeah. And they had Michael Porter Jr. in that game. Yep, it was a fully healthy Nuggets team. Fully healthy Nuggets team. Now, I'm not going to like sit here and say the Lakers have been doing everything right. Their, sh- their shots haven't been falling, and that's a problem. But they they did fall in that game, and when they fall, they that led to a win. The Lakers' defense has been on point. Um, and as soon as their sh- shots start to fall, that's going to lead to wins. Um, I'd rather be a team with a very good defense in an offense that isn't flowing that than a team with a ton of offense and a defense that isn't functional. Um, I'm not yeah, going to, while that is true, like, is that not the whole reason that the Lakers hired Darvin ham? Like Frank Vogel has always been a solid defensive coach and he could always create schemes to create a, at least good, uh, good defense. But the problem with the Lakers last year was that their offense was absolutely abysmal and offense this year is not great either because the shooting just isn't there. Yeah, the, the Lakers have been getting good looks. I mean, they just don't have guys who can knock down the ball like that. But Correct. we do, we did see what happens when they do hit their shots, and that's wins. Now, that's am I one, saying that this Lakers team? Yeah. yeah. Again, am I saying this Lakers team is good? No. But I think we also have to look at the difference that makes with Russ coming off the bench now. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a great Russ, game last, last in the past two games. Russell Westbrook has come off the bench, um, and it seems he's embraced his role so far. And in the most recent game he had, he had 18 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists with, on 50% from the field, uh, four for four from the free throw line, and good, like just good all around efficiency and a good game from Russ. Um, and it was the first time that I had seen a Laker crowd. This was a home game where the fans were cheering on Russell Westbrook, and I'm sure that felt very good to have his home crowd cheering him on. Uh, so, you know. I might sound very biased because I am a Laker fan, but I think having Russell Westbrook come off the bench is going to make a massive positive impact for this team. And I've talked about that in past episodes. 
And I do think if this team can find a way to hit their shots, that they're not going to be nearly as bad as people think make them out to be so far. Okay, I agree. I don't think they're going to be. I, I don't think they're going to be at the bottom of the West for long. But like in terms of whether they can be a top team in the West or okay. uh, oh no, not a top team for sure. No, I know, but I'm saying that they there are moves that they can make to get significantly better. Like while I agree, like Russ coming off the bench is making the best out of a bad situation. I think that the Lakers would be better off just getting more shooting. You know, there's always that trade you can make with Indiana to get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, or the trade you can make with Utah to get Jordan Clarkson, uh, Mike Conley, and I think... uh, There is no Jordan Clarkson in there. It's Rudy Gay, Bogdanovich, and Mike Conley. Okay, And and you get a pick in return as well. That's a fantastic deal, and I think the Lakers would be better off taking a deal like that than trying to, like make this awkward situation work because while yes they can win some games we can't forget they are they were own five like uh, just a couple days prior so it's very possible they're trying to increase russ's stock and and have other teams around the league see that russell westbrook is still that guy (laughs) they should just trade him right now like this is his stock is high like he had a good game is a good win against one uh, as soon as one good game happens (laughs) bye-bye bye no but I, i also do think another part of this whole situation is Victor Wembanyama and a lot of these bad teams being good right now. Uh, I think the Lakers are waiting for some of these teams that maybe are trying to contend right now, and then they realize that they can't contend and they're going to tank to just be willing to give out their players for less than they would usually get because they're really just trying to get that first overall pick. Um, so maybe the Lakers are being strategic, but I don't know because Rob Belinka is horrible, and I don't think the Lakers can possibly strategize. I don't think yeah. they have that ability. Let's let's not give them too much credit here. But I will say, last thing I'll say um, is that I think it's so funny how like teams might be strategizing and doing all this stuff about Victor Wembanyama. Like there is so much pressure on this kid. Like if he doesn't pan out, then that's gonna be such a disappointment. Like if teams like reorient their whole like. Uh, identity and like what like their season goals and stuff to get this one guy and he just like doesn't work out yeah that that is gonna be tough but I don't want to have any ill will towards any prospects in coming oh, into definitely the not like I'm rooting, no. rooting, rooting for this kid and, and wishing the best for sure but you know that's that's far in the future we're still in the season so with that I think that's a good place to call it um we're able to talk about a lot of teams uh, obviously not a lot of teams we were able we weren't able to get to all of them so make sure you tune in next week we'll be talking about some other teams definitely want to talk about like the Timberwolves the Nuggets um, the Raptors who have been playing pretty well among others so make sure you tune in and we'll have all the latest news and roundup from what's going on in the NBA so thank you all so much for listening and we will see you all next week Take peace care.